This is Focal Point for Thursday the 17th of November 2011. Out of office. Welcome to Focal Point, the podcast that shows you how to tap into the power of the internet in your business and your life. Now it's over to your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira for this week's edition. Hello Chris, how are you going? I'm well, thanks Gihan. I'm pretty excited in fact. Oh, that's good to hear. Any particular reason for that? I think we'll disclose that in a moment. How are you? <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm excited, maybe for a similar reason. <laughs> so we finally got our book out. The book, Out of Office, which everyone has been eagerly waiting for, is finally available. It's finally published. Fantastic. That's how, what I'm excited about. How do you feel about it, Chris? Because this is the first the kind of like public book that you've published, although you published a PhD. That's right, I've published a PhD. I don't think many people have read that except my supervisor and examiners. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I'm re- I, I, I feel a real sense of achievement. I, it took a long time and I'm really grateful and relieved that it's finished. Yeah, it did take, it did take a while um, and maybe part of that was because we just didn't realise how the collaborative effort would work. And I've written a few books, maybe two or three, with other people before and every every time it's been different. And I think this one, again, has been different. It's been very enjoyable, probably the most enjoyable book that I've been involved in because we work pretty well together and I think we both have a, fair, a fairly similar uh, level of like of similar high standards when it comes to actually the, the writing part of it. So not just the content but actually putting it together and uh, into the final form. That's right. I think it was perhaps those high standards that uh, made the project run longer than we expected and also the, the high standards our reviewers uh, had as well. So it, yeah. the, the final product is, is really good. I'm really proud of the, the, the book as a consequence. Yeah, me too. And I, I guess we do, and we should like give a, a lot of credit to our reviewers because uh, I think I may have mentioned to you, Chris, this is probably the earliest in the process that I actually sent it out for review. And I was quite surprised by the number and the quality of the the, the review comments that came back, which required us to make fairly major changes, but the changes were all for the better. They were. So today we're going to talk about the, the book Out of Office, which we just published, and give you, give you a bit of an overview. So what it's about, uh, why we wrote the book, how we got to, how we got to write it, and, but more importantly, what it means for you. And it's really, like in a nutshell, it's about how to use the internet to give you greater freedom in your work life. So it's about freedom, comfort, and convenience, and how to, if you're thinking about working from home, or you are working from home, how to do that more effectively and, and efficiently. So maybe we should start just by talking about how we got to this place, Chris, because we both work out of office. So in other words, we both work from home or from other places. Uh, maybe you can start on how you got started with, with this whole environment. Yeah, that's right. So back in 1999, Shri and I, Shri is my wife, we decided we'd take a working holiday to the UK. And we both got jobs. I got a job in software development working for an R&D company near Bracknell, which is uh, about 40 miles west of London. And uh, that job went really well. I enjoyed that job immensely. But towards the end of our working holiday, I mentioned to my boss that I'd like to keep working uh, for his organization once I'd returned to Perth. And he was keen on the idea, which was uh, which was really good, although management took a little bit more convincing. And so eventually we decided that we'd try it uh, just on a six-month trial basis, and it worked really well. And as a consequence, 10 years later, I still have that job. I'm still working from Perth for uh, the outfit in the UK. And uh, it's been successful enough that another colleague of mine uh, also did the same thing, except that he went from uh, Bracknell to Queensland. So one of my colleagues uh, is now doing exactly the same sort of work as I do, but he's doing it from just uh, east of Brisbane. 
Mm, yeah, okay. And uh, I was also, interestingly, I, I was also working for somebody in the UK, but I wasn't as lucky as you, Chris. I didn't get to keep my job when I came back. In fact, uh, I was made redundant, so I lost my job altogether. Uh, and the, the whole company folded as it turned out. Uh, but actually, that kind of got me started on the path to running my own business, which I've been doing for now almost 15 years. And in the early days of my business, I did work from my, from my home office. And uh, because most of my clients weren't here in Perth, I was able to work from a home office. My intent initially was to find an office in the center of the Perth's uh, central business district because that's where clients would come to me. That's where I'd be close to clients. But it turned out I didn't need that. Most of my clients were interstate initially so and, and still are actually, most in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Auckland um, and a few in other parts of the world as well. And initially it was just a home office that I was working from, but I made a decision maybe about 10 years ago that one day a week I was going to get out of the office and work, kind of work on the business. And I used to pack my uh, laptop into my backpack and ride my bike down to the river and work there all day. And that was in the, in the old days when there wasn't such good broadband internet access. Um, I still had my phone and fax machine in my office, so I had to kind of check in a couple of times a day to see whether any messages had come in. But it was really good. It, it really did give me the chance to get away for one day a week. And gradually I moved to a, a more mobile office where I now do have access to phone calls from my computer, I can get faxes through email, I can, I'm really completely mobile if I choose to be. And so that was, that kind of shifted me away from just having a home office to having an office anywhere. And a few years ago, I took the plunge and decided, okay, well, if I can have an office anywhere, why not go and visit my friend Brandon in Prague? And I spent a month in Prague. Um, and it was it was a holiday, but it was a bit of a working holiday as well. So I was able to to work just as effectively from the other side of the world as I was from from my home office here in Perth. So there you go. I started with a working holiday, and you're ending with working holidays. Yes, that's right, exactly. And <laughs> so it, I mean, it, it does kind of demonstrate the different types of environment that we're talking about. So when we say out of office, we're really talking about the idea that you can be out of office and without having to be without having to be inaccessible. And uh, you know, the out of office emails that you get saying I'm out of office and I, will, I'll be, I won't be checking email for, th- for another three days. Nowadays, that's becoming less and less necessary to do that, and you can be out of office without having to to be out of contact. And so, like most things, uh, with, uh, out of office, there are some advantages and disadvantages to that kind of uh, work style, and uh, we've been doing it for over a decade, so we're well acquainted with the pros and cons. Uh, starting with the positive, uh, one of the most obvious is that you've got a better work environment when you've got something like a home office or when you're travelling on a working holiday, like Ehan sometimes does. Uh, generally, uh, your head office, the, the HQ, is not, unless you work for someone like Google, it's not uh, the most salubrious of environments. So you might have a, a cubicle somewhere, and all you're allowed to do is hang a few pictures up and maybe put in a potted plant. Whereas if you set up something like a home office, then uh, the world's your oyster. You can uh, customise it to make it as comfortable as you like. Uh, you also can save a, a great deal of time and money. So when you telecommute, you're not actually physically commuting. You don't have to spend time and waste money on things like public transport or driving into the city and getting stuck in traffic jams or paying for parking once you get there. If you live in Perth and have to pay for parking in the city, then uh, I'm very sorry to hear that. (laughs) You also have a a greater deal of freedom and flexibility in how you structure your day. So uh, you can often uh, work hours that suit you rather than working hours that um, are set by the 
the hours that people spend in the office. So you can do things like uh, your groceries and your home chores or something more enjoyable like spending more time with your family or going to the gym and uh, fitting your work hours around that. And finally, uh, productivity is improved because uh, in the first instance, you don't get the constant interruptions or the invitations to fruitless meetings that you might otherwise get when you're in the office and people think, hey, look, Chris is around all the time. He won't mind coming to my meeting and sitting around for an hour and achieving very little. Uh, So those are some of the advantages. On the flip side, though, there are some, some disadvantages. So... In the first instance, you have to set up a home office, so that doesn't um, that doesn't cost nothing. You've got to get furniture and PCs and all the kinds of hardware that you're going to need to work from a home office, as well as um, access to high-quality, high-speed broadband. It's also more difficult to uh, build a team culture when you're working from a home office because you don't have that face-to-face contact that makes it a lot easier to uh, to, to work with people because you know them, In my case, many of the people that I work with, I've never met face-to-face, and so I don't don't have as good an understanding of their personalities as I might otherwise have if I'd met them face-to-face. And so, as a consequence, I have less social interaction with those people. You know, you don't necessarily socialise with them outside of work hours, although uh, with social networks you you are able to do that uh, uh, via cyberspace. And also, when you're communicating by email or by phone uh, or by webinar, it's, uh, th- there is some potential for miscommunication. You don't actually uh, have eye contact with the people that you're meeting with, and so uh, you might miss some of those subtle cues that you'd otherwise get when you're uh, in a face-to-face meeting. And finally, uh, there's, that, there's that suspicion that people who work from home slack off, and that's one of the barriers to working from home. But in fact, uh, often it's the flip side that uh, is the real disadvantage, is because you've got access to your home office and to your work uh, from your home, there is that uh, temptation or tendency to overwork because you can just uh, slip into the office and put in an extra hour when, uh, when you possibly don't really need to, and you miss out on some of the advantages of uh, flexibility of time and that kind of freedom. Yeah, I think you're uh, you're right that you, when you say the word perception, there's a perception that maybe people are slacking off or you can't monitor them, and because you can't monitor them, they they decide to do their own things. But most of the research that's done into telecommuting and working out of office shows that the out-of-office workers tend to be more productive than the ones in an office. In fact, I was listening to a podcast this morning from the CEO, the CEO of MySQL, and he was saying that right from the start, it's always been a very international organization. Almost everybody works out of office, so they're based in, I think, well, he's Finnish, and I think they're based in somewhere in Scandinavia, um, but they've got workers from all around the world. And he says that people constantly ask him, um, how do you know that they're working? And uh, he says to them, well, how do you know that your workers are working? It's much easier to fake work or fake productivity when you're sitting in an office when all you're being measured on is your time and people don't know what you're doing with your time. It's much easier doing it, uh, to fake it that way than when you're asked to produce results. And so I think people who do work out of office tend to be more productive. Absolutely. 
and, and really nowadays it's become it's becoming more popular. It's certainly not yet uh, it's, it's mainstream. It's not yet the majority, but in some sectors it is. And some Telstra research that came out recently said that you know two thirds of small businesses and small businesses are the biggest the biggest employer in the country in Australia. So we're talking about Australia here. Two thirds of small businesses have at least one staff member who spend most of their time outside the office. So it really is becoming something that's that's becoming it is mainstream and becoming more and more common. And maybe it's actually bigger organisations that are still holding back from that, but small businesses have embraced it. So um, that, that same research said that three quarters of them have some staff who are using laptops, and uh, more than half are using smartphones for for their work purposes, not just for for their personal use. So it, it is really something that's become mainstream, and it's really because uh, it's because of the internet and what we call the cloud. So the cloud means that you you have your files, you have your software, you have everything available on the internet rather than sitting on your hard disks, which means that you've got access to everything from anywhere. So you've got access to all your data from your computer, from your iPhone, from your Android phone, from your iPad, from somebody else's computer, and it's it's available anywhere you go and anytime you want it. Um, it, al- it also means that because these these services are being managed by by third parties. If you're in an organization, the organization has lower costs. So you you don't have to keep updating software. You don't have to worry about people using different versions of software because everyone's using the same version that's sitting up there in the cloud. And even for individuals, there's there's less time that you need to worry about things like things like backups because they're that data storage is managed in the cloud. Although, I guess we should say that both you and I, Chris, are paranoid enough that we still do our individual backups anyway. But it's something that you don't necessarily have to do as much of uh, because the cloud service is managing that for you. Exactly, that's right. We do backups of our backups. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. But it really does, uh, if, you, if you haven't looked at what is available in the cloud and what you can do by making your data and your software and your files available online, you really should. And uh, I think maybe people who have been using technology for a while are a little bit of a disadvantage because we're so used to doing things the old way and the people who come, ar- come around now, they just take for granted that things are in the cloud. They don't even think about the fact that things are in the cloud. Absolutely. So uh, when did we start this project, Gihan? How long ago? Was it two years? Is that long? I think it was less than two years. So we, I think we've probably okay. been been writing for, um, yeah, probably for the last, uh, just maybe just over a year, maybe 18 months, we've been okay. working on the book project. But of course, we've been talking about this in our Focal Point podcast um, for, for a couple of years now, maybe going on three or four years. Yeah, some of the material from those podcasts were... Uh, what we used to, to form the skeleton of the book. And when we first realized that we had enough material to start a book, uh, the thing that we thought about first were the different sto- sorts of out-of-office um, work styles and environments. And initially, uh, one of the obvious uh, differences was between your style and my style. So I'm more of an employee, whereas Kihan, you're more, uh, you are self-employed. And so that was an obvious uh, difference to focus on. But the more that we thought about it, uh, we realized that some of the differences were between uh, your corporate office, so the, the, the headquarters, uh, your home office, and then a mobile office when you're on the road. And so it was those three different types of um, work environment, those offices, that became uh, sort of the key ideas between the different models of or work styles for out-of-office um, 
out of office work styles. And that's exactly right. That is that is where the key differences apply. It doesn't matter whether you're working for yourself or working for somebody else. It doesn't matter whether you're dealing with clients or with colleagues. There are some differences, obviously, in in those areas. But really, the big difference is where you're working, um, and it is you know, like physically where you're working, and also in terms of time when you're working. So we that when we when we came, when we realized that, we split the book into three sections. And these are kind of a little bit arbitrary, but they kind of do make sense. So the three sections are the, the semi-commuter, so somebody who has both a home office and a corporate office, so they work from home a couple of days a week, for example. The e-worker, who's someone like you, Chris, who works from home full-time, so you're a full-time telecommuter. And the digital nomad, which is me, uh, we didn't come up with the phrase digital nomad, but we really like it. Uh, the digital nomad is somebody who can work from anywhere. So I do spend, I, I guess I still do spend most of my time at home, in my home office, but I do have the flexibility to work from from anywhere else as well. And it really doesn't make much of a difference whether I'm working from here or from an internet cafe or from um, a regular cafe or from an, another city. So that was the first, that's the first way that we split the, split the whole concept of out of office is based on where you work. And then we also realized that where you work determines how you're going to interact with other people. So we had these three perspectives in each of those three areas where we said, um, let's look at how that, that office environment, that out of office environment affects you, how it affects your interaction with your uh, inner circle of colleagues and clients, and then how you interact with the rest of the world. So as it turned out, we ended up with eight or actually nine chapters. Uh, sorry, nine, nine chapters, but it actually ended up being eight because one of them we say don't interact with the rest of the world if you're working from home a couple of days a week. But let's, let's go through those three, Chris, the semi-commuter, the e-worker, and the digital nomad, because the, most people will find themselves roughly or broadly in one of those three categories. Okay, sure. So starting with the semi-commuter, so they're a part-time telecommuter, so might spend uh, a few days in the office, the headquarters office, as well as having a home office where they spend another couple of days working. So you've got two work uh, workplaces, and generally you'll be working the same working hours as your colleagues. So when you're on your, in the office, obviously you're going to be uh, working the same hours as your colleagues, but when you're working from your home office, you also will be tending to keep the same work hours as them. Now, the, the, looking at the three perspectives, so it was your, the perspective of you, the people you work with, your team, and the rest of the world, focusing on yourself, then your purpose uh, for uh, adopting the semi-commuter work style is the convenience that you get from it. So because uh, a couple of days a week you're able to work from home, then you have a bit of flexibility on how you schedule uh, those, those working hours when you're working from home. Broadly, you'll keep in sync with the people that you work with because they'll probably need access to you, and Gihan will talk about working with your team in a moment. But you do have a degree of flexibility uh, um, afforded to you when you are working from your home office and it allows you to do things like uh, maybe uh, pick up your kids after school or uh, go to the gym or uh, do a few household chores. Yeah, and I really like the phrase semi-commuter, or the, the word semi-commuter, Chris, which is a phrase that you coined, because it really does define, in some ways, this is the most difficult of the out-of-office environments, because it is semi, like you're partly commuting, partly you're not, and so you need to you need to really think about, care, think carefully about how you do interact with other people, uh, and when you're talking about... Um, 
working with your team, it's all about cooperating with them, like giving them access to you so that, and you having access to them at the, at the times when you're out of office so that you can still be as effective as on the days that you're, um, when you're in the office. Now, because it's kind of the semi-commuter, so there are days when you're in the office and you may decide, all the meetings that we run have to be on days when I'm in the office because I'm more effective that way. So you do get the chance to say, okay, well, when I'm out of office, there are certain things that I won't be able to do and I can't cooperate as well. However, you can't completely shut out uh, your clients and colleagues because then your work piles up when you come back in the office and maybe you miss out on promotions because you're, you're not seen as, as a valuable enough member of the team. So you do need to have, you do need to figure out ways that you can cooperate with them. Um, that said, you need to be also careful about not letting in too much. And uh, the distinction that we've drawn is says, okay, like cooperate as much as you can and as much as needed with clients and colleagues, but keep out the rest of the world because the rest of the world um, – so don't don't spend your, your time on Facebook and Twitter and public forums and don't use that out-of-office time uh, – or sorry, make the most of that out-of-office time to be working and being as productive as possible uh, and keep out the world so you don't get distracted by them. And in some ways – this might be the this might be the test for people who are thinking of moving or trying to convince their management to move out of office. This might be the test where you can say, okay, look, let me just work from home one day a week or two days a week, and I'll prove to you just how effective it can be. So you definitely don't want to be spending all your time interrupted and managing distractions because that's where this is this is the time when you're going to prove to your boss or your manager that you can really be as productive and be as output uh, results focused as possible, even though they're not watching over you every minute. Yeah, so as you say, Gihan, the semi-commuter can be a good segue into full-time telecommuting. Um, but it is, as you also mentioned, one of the most difficult. It is a bit of a juggling act because you have to um, manage two workspaces, your home office and working in the office. Um, and while ne- neither of us actually do this, I do have a little perspective on it in that my wife, Cherie, she works part-time, but there have been days when she works from home. And as I mentioned, she does that because uh, there might be a task that she wants to to um, get done at home on those day on her work days, so she does it for convenience. But she has to make sure that those are days that she doesn't have meetings scheduled, and it does take a bit of um, management and juggling to uh, to get those those days working from home to do a bit of semi commuting. Yeah, and it is quite tricky, and you're. And the juggling is good to have described it. You have to juggle security, you have to juggle your time, you have to juggle how you set up your home office because you may not want to invest in a whole, whole extra room as your home office. So you may be just sitting at a dining table or sitting somewhere in the lounge and uh, competing with other people for, for space and, and um, noise and uh, internet access and all those sort of things. So it's a, it, it is quite a bit of a juggle and it may be the, the most, it may be a stepping stone to something bigger and better. Speaking of which? The e-worker. So the e-worker is a full-time telecommuter. Uh, they work full-time away from the office. They don't uh, go in and have colleagues that they work with. They're, all their colleagues are either at a, an office or distributed around the world. They generally have fixed working hours and a, a fixed working place. So in my case, I've got a, a home office that I work in, and uh, I work from there full-time. So my work style is most closely matched to the e-worker work style. Except I guess one difference is that because you're in a different time zone, you've got flexibility around time as well. 
Exactly. So I have a, a little bit of overlap with most of my colleagues who are based mainly in the US, uh, sorry, mainly in the UK and Europe and some in the US. So I try to make sure that um, I've got a good deal of overlap, but then outside of those hours, um, I, can be, uh, I can be really flexible with uh, how I schedule my work day. And uh, that that means that uh, one of the re one of the things that you get is great flexibility in how you set up your workday, and so essentially the purpose for uh, the purpose around full time telecommunicate uh, telecommuni telecommuting <laughs> telecommunicating as well. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> that's right. Is is the comfort that it affords. So because you've got that great deal of flexibility, uh, you can schedule things uh, how you like. So go to the gym in the morning, uh, spend more time with your family. It's that real, that comfort that you get as a consequence that uh, is one of the driving purposes of the e-worker work style. Yeah, and one of the things that you miss out on, though, is the chance to actually interact with people in the office because now you're full-time working from home um, and, Chris, you're full-time on the other side of the world, so it's not like you can even come into the, go into the office one day a month. It's, it really is full-time. So you've got to figure out how, to, how you can collaborate with your colleagues or with your clients without ever meeting them face-to-face. -face. And if you get to meet them face-to-face, -face, it's a bonus, but your regular working day has to involve collaboration with clients and colleagues, just like just like you would if you're in the office. So you have to figure out how to make things work um, in a collaborative environment, which just means using a lot of online tools and learning how to use them effectively, like doing things like conference calls and um, setting up things like wikis and other, other collaborative tools that mean that you can be just as effective and sometimes even more effective than being in an office. And you, you just can't ignore these things. You can't neglect them because if you do... Chances are that, um, you know, if you're lucky, if you've got a manager or other colleagues who are going to help you out, that's great. But generally, it's going to be out of sight, out of mind, unless you take the, unless you take the initiative and put some of these things in place. And, and also, when you, when you start looking at the world, so we talked about collaborating with your team, this is where you do need to start letting in the world. So now, now you kind of got permission to say, okay, well, it is okay for me to go to online forums to get help. It's okay for me to spend a bit of time on Facebook and Twitter and Google+. It's okay for me to start doing online research to, uh, to find things because I only have myself otherwise. And, of course, you you ask your colleagues and you've got internal resources as well. But now you do need to start letting in the world. And that means taking a little bit of care in how you interact online. And um, your organization might have corporate policies around that. And anyway, you need to be careful because it's your own reputation is at stake as well. That's right. And unlike the semi-commuter, now that you've got this uh, single workspace that you're working from, you've sort of taken on more responsibility um, it's easier because you don't have to juggle two kind of workspaces and work styles, but it's, um, there's greater responsibility on you now. You don't have an IT department who's going to look after uh, things like software security. Uh, you have to take uh, greater responsibility for doing backups and making sure that uh, you've got secure, you've got firewalls and, um, and uh, virus scanners in place. Um, and you've got your own workspace, so you can set that up how you like. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, all the time, you, you can organize your time how, uh, how in a way that suits you best. Yeah, and I think the thing about the, the workspace is the most important, Chris. And I think in, in the book, in this section about the e-worker, we spend quite a bit of time in how to set up your workspace so that you can work comfortably from a home office, uh, because you've got other people around you who aren't necessarily work colleagues. I mean, they're your family and friends uh, and maybe you know, housemates and so on. Uh, so they're not necessarily thinking about work at the time that you are. Um, and also that you can still collaborate effectively with your clients and colleagues.
Absolutely. So moving on to the last work style, that's that the one of the digital nomad. And so here you've got uh, the greatest flexibility of the three models that we discuss, or the three work styles that we discuss. So not only do you have um, flexibility in when you work, but also where you work from. So you don't have uh, a fixed workplace. You may well have uh, a home office, but you also have the flexibility to uh, hit the road and take working holidays or take short trips or just work from a cafe or go down to the river like you often do, Gihan. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And also, your work hours are far more flexible, so you can uh, set up your day how you see fit, because uh, you've got that kind of flexibility as well. So the purpose uh, of the digital nomad work style is that freedom that you're afforded by having maximum flexibility in where and when you work. You can uh, set up set up your workplace and your work location according to your own rules and your um, your work time uh, as well. Yeah, I felt a bit funny actually using the word freedom in this section of the book, Chris, because obviously freedom means different things to different people. But I guess what we're really saying here is you've got more freedom. You've got more freedom than in any of the other two scenarios, which does mean that you've also got um, more responsibility to to use that freedom wisely, because if you don't have uh, fixed working hours, you've got to decide how much work you're going to do today, and if you decide to slack off today, when you're going to make up that time, and of course, then you've got to take responsibility for all of that. You've also got to take responsibility for how you collaborate with your team. So you still need to collaborate with team members or clients and colleagues, but now you really need to accommodate them because you may not be working the same hours as they are, and they're going to get pretty annoyed and frustrated if every time they try to contact you, they can't they can't get through to you, or they send you something with an expectation that you're going to respond promptly and you just haven't have taken a two-day working holiday. So you do – a two-day, like no internet holiday. Uh, so you do need to really accommodate your team and you need to find ways that that you can help them and um, maybe without you even being there, that you set up you set up systems where they can get information from you and they can get access to you uh, effectively, even though they may not know where you are and when you're going to be working. Uh, and I guess when we talked about um, – you mentioned this a couple of times, Chris, working holidays, and I mentioned that I went to Prague. That idea is that the idea that you can now embrace the world is, is quite tempting. It's quite exhilarating once you do it. And even once you, once you're open to the idea that it's possible. So I remember when I first started, uh, going to, as I said, I used to go and ride my bike one day a week and have a day away from the office. And then there's a, there's a town about two and a half hours drive from Perth called Bustleton and I spend a f- maybe three or four times a year I go down there initially it was a bit of a retreat so I'd not not work I'd make it more of a, a planning retreat but then I quite enjoyed it as a chance to get away and I found that I could get away and still work as effectively as I was working in Perth and then I realized well if I can do it in Bustleton I can do it in Prague or in Auckland which, which is where I went last year or Florence which is where I might be going next year so there really is an opportunity to embrace the world and actually take the opportunity take the take advantage of the fact that the cloud is everywhere and that you really aren't restricted by geographical boundaries anymore. So I think as a digital nomad, you really can embrace the world. Absolutely. So those are the, the three work styles that we talk about in the book, the semi-commuter, e-worker, and digital nomad. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, Gihan, it's not necessarily the case that you're going to fit squarely into one of those three work styles. You can uh, perhaps take bits and pieces from each. You might well be someone who works part-time at head office and then spends other days where they work in a home office. 
and also hits the road and, uh, and works a bit like a digital nomad at other times of the year. So it's not really about picking one of those work styles and uh, adopting that. Instead, it's better to try and figure out what's going to work best for you and then reading our book and making sure that you understand the tips that uh, are appropriate for that kind of work style um, and then making it happen. Yeah, I agree, Chris. I don't, I don't think it's cut and dried and uh, because it's kind of a new concept anyway and people are exploring and experimenting with it, um, different people are going to find different ways to make it work. Uh, and we, we just don't think that the concept of a, of a job is going to disappear anytime soon, even though more and more people are becoming self-employed, some by choice, some by some mm-hmm. by it being forced on them, but the whole concept of what um, what a job means and what flexibility you have in it, uh, that's going to change. And again, if I refer back to that podcast I was listening to from the guy from MySQL, he said the whole idea of offices is only 300 years old. It's not something that we've done from the start of civilization. It's in fact only something that's come around because of the Industrial Revolution, and it's not natural to be like leaving your home and your family and your community and going and spending most of your like most of your week uh, somewhere else uh, in an office. So I, I I do think, and and this is a part of the reason that we wrote the book, is that especially if you're a knowledge worker, you you do have the opportunity now to create your own work style and and don't believe that just because the way that other people are doing it by going to an office and spending time in traffic every day, don't believe that that has to be the way for you. You can do it according to your own rules and. We're not necessarily saying it's easy, especially because we're just, it's still, even though it's becoming more and more popular, it's still not the majority of people who are doing it that way. But we're saying that especially because of the internet and the cloud, it is now, it is now more possible and more feasible. So I reckon it's your life, so live it by your rules. And don't Absolutely. settle for anything else. Is there anything else you want to say, Chris? No, I think you've summed it up uh, neatly, Gihan. So one thing we haven't done is we haven't mentioned where people can get the book. I think we should say that. So if you go to outofofficebook.com, um, that's the website for the book. There's also a blog, so you can follow our updates because, um, as we said, this is something that's changing daily, literally daily. So we, we update the blog at least once a week, so you can follow us on there. And, of course, you can go there and buy the book. And we hope you enjoy it. And if you like it, please give us some feedback. There's plenty of contact details on the website. Or you can email kihan at outofofficebook.com or chris at outofofficebook.com. So Chris, so um, now the book's there, and we've got, we've printed some copies, and we've already started making sales. And uh, you must be excited that we're going to become gazillionaires within the next uh, six months. We hope. I sure am. <laughs> and we're working on the ebook version of that as well. I guess we should have mentioned that at the moment it's available as a printed book, and we're currently working on the ebook version. But actually, just for for our podcast listeners, we have got a special offer. So we, we mentioned that if you go to outofofficebook.com, you can buy the book. So we recommend that you do go there. So go to outofofficebook.com. You can read all about the book, um, but don't go to the Buy the Book page and buy it directly from there. You'll notice on the home page that at the top right corner of the home page, there's a password box. So if you type in the password freedom, then you'll get a discount on the book. And we're offering a 20% discount for anybody who buys the book, uh, who's, who's a listener of this podcast, who goes and buys the book through that link. So, um, And we probably should put a, let's put a deadline on it, Chris. So we're kind of the middle of November. So let's say if you get it bit before the end of November, um, then you'll get that 20% discount by using that password. So the password's freedom, and it's at outofofficebook.com. Perfect gift for Christmas. <laughs> yes, well, that's what all my fr- family and friends are getting. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, Chris. Uh, enjoy the conversation as usual, and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Will do. Thanks, Gihan. Bye for now. 
You've been listening to the Focal Point Podcast. You can find us on the web at www.focalpointpodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast, listen to our past episodes or leave us your comments or questions. We look forward to having you back next time.